Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Art Proof Podcast. We're still all in a lockdown of sorts, trying to follow the ambiguous directions of our slightly calamitous government, trying to stay productive and positive. This time round, we're joined by the refreshingly upbeat Emma Cousin. Emma is a painter based in South East London via Yorkshire and has been part of all sorts of excellent exhibitions with all sorts of excellent galleries, as well as having a huge amount of experience working in the commercial gallery world. Emma recently started her own podcast consisting of lockdown conversations with fellow artists and they're great so we wanted to get her on our podcast to talk about it as well as the podcast we talked to emma about her practice and the use of stretched and contorted figures in her paintings we also talk about the bread and jam exhibition that she used to host from her house in broccoli and how they felt like a healthy alternative to most private views as always stay locked right to the end for contact details and info on future episodes and we hope you enjoy the show Things are okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels like every week it changes. I'm sure everyone's saying that. Yeah, I think today is difficult because of the weather. Like, there's just no incentive to even go outside. It's so miserable. Oh, I love rain. Oh, oh. I, love <laughs> I like I like weather actually. I'm quite into seasons and like temperature and atmosphere and like differences. Like, yeah, I like right. I like the differences. Yeah. Thinking back, I've got some friends of mine that moved to Malaysia and have been living there for ages and ages now. And the last time I spoke to her, she's saying that uh, the seasons are the things she missed the most. It's like it was either really hot or it yeah. was raining. And it, uh, that's it. It's just really hot or raining. There's no, <laughs> there's no autumn, there's no spring, <laughs> no winter. It's just those two, those two, well, not even seasons. I suppose rainy season and hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. V- very fortunate good for painting good for photographs I think it is good for painting I think it's really good for painting it's good for like I don't know it changes your lens somehow you know what I mean so that every time you like you know you go to the studio and you get covered in rain you kind of appear you arrive in <laughs> condition well that was today anyway so yeah he's done those seasonal paintings where he'd go and paint the same road mm. like a couple of times a year so you'd got you got the spring summer I yeah. quite like that that element of it as well like the the, the places change completely well, I think also it's, it's yeah it's interesting to me I guess thinking about the paintings um, how it affects the body so how you know how the skin changes even like you go blue or you know in extremes or you go you go like you know you, your body responds differently even like um, I don't know the prickles or the sensations that are different in different temperatures without overthinking it I am often thinking in the paintings like what weather's going on like almost like the bodies are a weather system yeah. work is quite skin focused i was reading something earlier saying that you sort of focus on the elasticity of, of skin and stuff like that yeah i think it's uh, most of the work i'm realizing more than ever is just about tension so like a tension between x and y and it could be like a tension between what a word um like literally means and then what we use it to mean in, in speech or that could mean the tension between yes yeah, someone pulling a bit of skin so mm. the tension between that or the tension of like gravity and elasticity so aging uh, and then the tension between the psychology of these things like we're trying to fight these things or we're trying to give in to them or we're trying to help each other or we're trying to fight each other <laughs> so there's right. often this tension I think that that's where that comes from and then the skin I guess the other tension in terms of skin is is it skin or is it paint and obviously it's paint right so mm. Um, how can paint be skin or, or you know how can it kind of stand in for that or can it can it become a cipher for like the layers of skin and then also skin is never just a flat surface because it's see-through kind of or transparent so yeah. it, it also stands for like everything underneath it and then you're thinking about what's going on in, underneath it so I guess the tension between a static surface and like the active processes below it as well yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people who aren't aware of your work can you give us a bit of a um tell us a bit about you as an artist and a bit about your background yeah I never know where to start I've been listening to these Dolly Parton like podcast things I don't know if you've heard this like Dolly in America Dolly's Americana they're, oh, right. <laughs> they're yeah. totally amazing and there's an interview and she says well let's start when I was born and um, oh. I always like really tempted to start there, but I'm not going to start. Um, yeah. Not the day after. Goes <laughs> far. I just love that she went back to then, but um, yeah. Um, I, my, I'm also my memory's really bad, so that wouldn't be good for me because I'd be all over the shop. But I was I was born in uh, Yorkshire, so that is relevant in a way. Partly because I'm quite yeah, I feel like that is important to me to be a northerner. Um, 
and so I went to the Ruskin I guess it's the next like art thing that happened and obviously it felt like it was like by chance like it was an it's a great place to be it's quite a small school it's part of um like Oxford Uni so it was a bit mad it was generally genuinely like going into like it was like before Harry Potter really or around the time of Harry Potter so I was genuinely like in awe and just like all right A bit shell shocked as well, and a bit like, how did I even end up here? It's weird. I read that you um, you visited the university to look at a law degree or something, and decided to stay on and go to the Ruskin. So, what prompted that sort of change? Um, It was a like total accident, as lots of these things are in life. So, I didn't really think you could do art as like a career, if you like. Um, And I was definitely sort of not to sound brutal to my like parents it wasn't it was more like to realistically you need to like get a job and live and pay for stuff right so you have to get a job so um before we get to that but were you drawing at all before that moment or did you do an art a level or anything or did was literally the light bulb on that day I've always been like an obsessive drawer so even as a kid and actually this period of like the sort of lockdown and weirdness has really taken me back to that like obsessive kind of really enjoyable drawing but like where you where everything that's happening I'm doing it with drawing if you know what I mean so I'm like doing a bit of cooking and I eat my dinner with drawing and then <laughs> I don't know watch a film and then do a bit of drawing or like I don't watch much tv tv which may or may not have come up in your googling but I'm trying to watch a bit more tv um and then that's with drawing and when I was little we weren't allowed to watch much tv but when it was on I was always drawing I was always at the dining out of the blue that day that Ruskin day it wasn't completely just like you yeah. know in a maths class solidly for the last four years <laughs> I, I, was I wonder if I could draw <laughs> yeah no I actually really liked maths but I was really bad at it I basically just liked all of it I like I'm like really curious and I just like no I was always like horrified by things like how big Russia was I still find phenomenal <laughs> like, so I just get very excited by via any knowledge information <laughs> information yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that idea that you want to know everything yeah curious so um but yeah so I did have a really good art teacher um, actually at school really really Pete Dryland who I'm still in touch with okay. still in touch with oh, wow that's amazing yeah he's phenomenal yeah. so I was really encouraged to do it in that sense it was never like a what, taboo what, what, what were his special you know what did he manage to pull out of his students or, or yourself or what were those qualities that were so great, do you think? I think it was to be really, I don't know if you want me to say this, but he doesn't teach, he's retired now. Um, <laughs> um, the, the, like, no bullshit. Like, basically, okay. it was yeah. genuinely stop That's trying to be good. You know, there's that real desire to, like, make a beautiful drawing or make it. For me, I just wanted it to be good and get A's and be a good girl kind of thing. Right. You know, where I'm still kind of questioning. That's another tension, right? As a woman, as a girl, as a person, as an ageing aging person what kind of where did that come from that desire to be like good or polite or dutiful or honest or whatever so anyway so that so he was the first person that was like this is not like you know he kind of pulled things apart for me a bit and I started to realize and little exercises upset you or anything because I could imagine you know I mean artists can be sensitive that could could crush people (laughs) he's totally breaking them down you know yeah, he wasn't. He was always very generous with it. And I think, I don't know, it's, it was one of those things where it was built up. I think also I was in a in a, a group of like predominantly guys. It was a really male dominant group. And there's something about that, which, you know, guys don't, they're not very nice to each other in a way that's really helpful sometimes. <laughs> they're really direct. So, and I found that really useful. Having been surrounded by a lot of girls, it was like, oh yeah, you could just tell me what you really think and that would help tell me, that would help me. So I realised they weren't being like, I guess the word might be bitchy or being unpleasant or being mean. They okay. were actually like, if something was good, they'd also come over and be like, oh my God, that's awesome. You know, so it, I felt like it was a real um, honest atmosphere to be in with a way that you didn't have to be embarrassed if you made something, which is also quite shoddy, you know. So it kind of allowed a lot more room for alongside really formal like he did exercises like and I teach a bit now and I try and bring these in because I think they're really basic but they're so like juicy and it's stuff like 35 boxes like tiny boxes probably like 10 by 10 and you just get a biro and make like as many gestures as you can in the box with the biro so with all the different ways like what happens if you do it in your mouth and you're like I don't know attach it to a stick and then like you put up your bum and do it or whatever like obviously didn't say that but (laughs) you You implied yeah (laughs) take it as far as you want basically and and 
just see what it can do and it was that curiosity again with mediums like what can you do with a biro which you wouldn't even think of maybe drawing with so he was good at that like really encouraging that side and so now you're teaching do you bat a lot of ideas off him I should do (laughs) 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 not really we met up a few times because he was in Yorkshire still so he was in in Wakefield Um, and actually his son ended up teaching with him and you know it's a really nice history of like the family all being teachers and my mum was a teacher my dad was a teacher so maybe there's also that affinity with with that idea but I I definitely think about him a lot when I'm putting these you know kind of uh, like teaching foundation for instance like talk about paint and color and like color theory is like the driest thing in the world and none of us really know what it even is now because we've forgotten (laughs) our own thing like you know, someone said what asked about colour and that's the hardest thing for me because I don't do it like how we should do it, if you know what I mean. Like I, it's all a mess and it's like not separated and I'm like the opposite of what you te- should teach. So mm. I think it's then hypocritical if I'm teaching like the strict way. Oh, right. and so I'm trying to give tools but do it in a way that's honest and also hopefully exciting, you know, because I want people to be turned on by it as much as I am, basically. So and then it came up to the, the moment where you actually thought you were going down the lawyer route but. yeah so that wasn't at all a lawyer route it was purely like um I again I basically quite liked the idea of like crime thriller things and I was really I read loads of crime novels and loads of like um dystopian sci-fi at that time okay. maybe because my mum was into it like I just read every book around the house kind of um and she had a lot of books anyway so then at school just they like chose me to be on this uh that you could go on this like course to Oxford for like a long weekend to 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 experience what it would be like to do a law degree so it was like a real privilege and it was amazing right. um and I'd never even really thought about it so I was like amazing great and then yeah woke up late one morning basically for one of the lectures I had for one day of full lectures and it was mega all about like crime scenes and and yeah. then um yeah slept in the next day which I was like mortified because again like good girl like <laughs> horrified so I was like crying I was walking through Oxford and there's like bumps in the road where all the buses go down the main road so I like fell over and Anyway, I remember it really vividly and walked into what I thought was the right building and it wasn't at all where the tour was happening that morning. And it was the art building and then picked up a prospectus and I was like, and they do, they did anatomy, they do anatomy there as well. So I just read it and I was like drawing every day, anatomy, like classes with a doctor and with someone with like cadavers and stuff. And just the building had this atmosphere and I don't know, I was just like totally like this is where I'm supposed to be kind of. It was weird and I just thought I'm going to reply and it sounded impossible to get in as well. It was weird, <laughs> honestly. And then the perspective sounded impossible and then I just thought I'm just going to apply. I'm going to I'm going to apply. I'm going to like mm. you know, the yeah. rest is history. <laughs> yeah, how much do you really the moments like that? Like this is meant to be. I you know I was meant to get up late this morning. I was meant to No, not at that point. I was just panicking at not being <laughs> I'm not very like I am learning to be more zen like I'm not very like I wish it was more like that I'm trying to look for those the moments of trying to be present especially with like like I'm learning a lot more about Buddhism and like yoga and doing a lot more meditation and all that stuff probably in the last like six months so I think now I'm like you know there's that quote by Rumi about you should like imagine every emotion you open the door and you let it in and it could be frustration you invite frustration in and you sit with frustration and serve it tea and chat to frustration and see what it wants um and see see what you you know spend time together with frustration so I found that really interesting as a thought you know way to handle those times that don't go right I guess which is I would have just thought that went wrong at the time that helped with the current situation meditation and things like that yeah it's bloody hard though (laughs) yeah beginning I was doing really well um and doing it like every day but now it's like oof, yeah I sort of drag myself to my mat if I can or I mean I've got a mat in the studio yoga mat and a yoga mat at home so I try and like at least if I, I find if I get myself stood at the top of it you know in like Tadasana a mountain pose you right. can kind of get going from there but if you sort of like never get to rolling it out then it's just never yeah, it's just never manage it so yeah, you need to just leave it out all the time <laughs> it's so weird you say that because it's actually out right now it's a bit pathetic I think I, the trouble is I get the benefit of it and I really understand like if, you, if you're doing it repetitively it's like a practice it's like anything it's like painting you know yeah. you get the fluency to it and it starts rewarding you and 
I don't know, becomes a space that you can inhabit much more comfortably and then you learn things in that space, I guess. So anyway, without going into it, because I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not any like kind of. Setting some time aside to do these things like it's yeah. when, when the lockdown yeah. thing happened, in my mind, I'm going to build a website. I want to learn how to do WordPress and make a website. I've got a certain amount of months to do it. Yeah. I've spent about an hour and a half on it. You're working full time. Yeah, but I've still yeah. got, I'm not commuting. Yeah, like it's, there is more free time now and I'm doing less productive stuff. <laughs> I suppose it's the same the same with yoga. It's like you've got to find, you've got yeah. to make sure you give yourself that 45 minutes or however long it is you're taking. I just think you've got to be aware as well what you need. Like sometimes you don't need the 45 minutes of yoga. You need like, I don't know, five minutes with a coffee or, yeah. or it's better to just stare at your painting for a bit or, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to learn. I felt like at the beginning I was like, right, I'm going to learn go back to my Italian lessons I'm going to start my violin again and I'm going to like I set myself these ridiculous like really exciting but this mental program of stuff I was going to do and like do animations and start this podcast and all this stuff that I didn't really know you know like the animations is a good example that I started making these animations like basically without learning about the programming just sort of fiddling around and like so that's me with a website (laughs) yeah and pressing (laughs) buttons until it kind of happens and as a result, they're sort of a bit shitty, the animations, and the quality is a bit, they're a bit glitchy, and you know, I think they could be a lot better, but it's just beginning. You've just got to start. Yeah. You started the podcast. Yeah. So what, what prompted that? What was the, uh, is it something you've been wanting to do for a while? Not, no, not at all. Really not at all. Like, I'm not even in, I wasn't listening to many podcasts. I was listening to, like, talk, everyone's listening to talk art, right? Have you heard our one before? Well, I have now. So since you guys sent me an invite, <laughs> I've now, like, listened to loads. Yeah, and that's, I'm not trying to suck up. I was just, I'm genuinely now interested. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. Um, And I like what, how different they all are. Like, they've all got a different tone and a different, I think I'm just it's like it's like anything you start doing it and then you start learning more you get a bit more into it and then you start obsessing and then you start finding ones you really love and then you know sort of learning about what it is as a genre I suppose and why it's interesting and I suppose at the moment what it can offer too like why these things are really useful and why so many people are turning to them and actually like like students are asking about them and um, like even this morning someone one of the places I work the art academy someone there asked me about recommendations for podcasts and I teach a bit of Sotheby's and they've got like a podcast link and um, like Rosie Gibbons, who's a great artist. She yeah. sent me like a massive link list of pod- like literally so many. <laughs> I mean, that's what she's been doing with her time is just listening Brilliant. to podcasts. Yeah. So, it's where you come from then, if you yeah. hadn't been that oh, too Well, um, I feel like it came from, um, so I think when I get stuck, like in a place of feeling stuck, and that could be like... Um, so I set up a project to uh, 2015 called Bread and Jam, which mm. was like a, in in my okay. house, basically like a gallery project thing. Not really a gallery, like a project space in the house. Yeah. Before yeah. you turn it up or something. Yeah, right? it was like, basically it was a derelict house and mm. I had um, and we were living here and we, my, my husband and I went to buy a bed essentially for a spare bed. And I was just sat on these. We were like lying on a bed, and it was just such a weird thing. It was in carpet right. It was like really dingy. <laughs> carpet right in Lewisham, you know. And you're trying to buy a spare bed, and I was like, I just don't want to spend like all our money on this like shit bed that no one's even going to sleep in. And it's just, we sh- what are we doing with this space? It's mad. So we, yeah, I cried. We had an argument. We, and then we came home and we had to. We didn't buy a bed. So, <laughs> long story short, I set up this project called bread and jam which was basically trying to use the space differently but at the time I guess that idea of stuckness I was like working full-time in a gallery really full-time it was really full-on and it I wasn't that happy it was like a really you know it was a really great gallery great objects but the job was like selling stuff and you were doing that for quite a long time is that right You're yeah working in the gallery system yeah 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 and it started just from like I wanted to live in London I just finished a residency in Hungary and then went to work in in Italy for a bit, like just teaching art in schools and stuff. And so, yeah, living in London, I was like, I just need to get a job. So um, flew back from Italy to have a job interview and then had nowhere to stay and then got the job, (laughs) thank God. Um, (laughs) Then ended up working in galleries, yeah. And then, and it was one of those things you just, I I kind of wanted to be near art, I guess. And I felt like that was the way to do it. So. Uh, I'm not sure it was the best way to do it, but it, it was also great in terms of my my art history. Like I feel like I learned a massive hole in my knowledge has been yeah. slowly and it continues to be um, like filled in or like 
you know made rich and like woven together somehow yeah. so that was amazing um but at that moment I was yeah we we're working in this job and it just meant I didn't really have much time to go to the studio and I was really fighting with myself like do I quit my job do I like how, how is this so hard like how do I juggle it um I wasn't really making what I wanted to make because I was my headspace wasn't in there you know it's just tricky and I think I felt far away from the people I whose work I also really cared about because I was working with a lot of like great but dead artists so <laughs> um, how can how could I do some, like how could I use the gallery knowledge with artist work that I really cared about and maybe that would help me also be more proximate and connected to uh, like a contemporary dialogue and like a uh, like a way of sustaining each other that maybe would also help sustain me and like have conversations that felt relevant to my work more so yeah. um so yeah so I guess that same that same feeling of like panic and kind of reaching out those two yeah. things came up with the beginning of this like I really was very yeah. anxious and um just feeling really weird and like isolated again in a way that I was a bit panicked by genuinely and also making work that was quite new and I was about to have lots of studio visits so that all got cancelled the shows got cancelled I just thought this is a bit spirally and it feels really weird and and, and other people will be feeling like this and and obviously I had private conversations that weren't recorded with friends who are asked to, you know, you don't have to record every conversation. So that's been an interesting learning curve as well. Um, I'll ring yeah. a friend for a chat now and they'll be like, I'll be like, how are you feeling? And I'll be like, are you recording this? Um, <laughs> so, so that's quite funny. Um, yeah, can I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There have been one or two that I'm like, I'm just going to record this. But no, not really. Oh, that's like... Yeah. That, yeah. But the bread and jam shows, they had a huge amount of artists involved. I read there was sort of 100 artists involved. Yeah, there's like 10 to 12 each time. Um, and there yeah. was like a few of them. I can't remember. At least five in the first year. And they often involved like, so basically each artist was given a space for, for a month with a key to the house. And then they could like make, just make whatever they want. And it, it started off just very... I guess quite humble like it's a it's a studio space or it's a space to bring one piece and look at it or it can be like anything you know kind of what's useful to us now you know as artists like to look at one painting in a space is sometimes what you need or it could be to make to realize a massive project or a lot of it was site specific in the end which is really exciting like Harriet Hill made a brilliant piece in the blue or Alison Hand made some phenomenal like watercolors in the wallpaper. How did that work in terms of you living there as well like how was it only available to see on an opening night or, or could people just come in at any time while you're at home making dinner? Yeah, so the food is a big part of it. So the whole point of it is called <laughs> bread and jam. Um, we had like an amazing bread sponsor who's a local guy. I live in southeast London and there's a baker called Cooper's Bakehouse, a guy called Francis Cooper who, who runs it. And he's amazing. Um, if anyone lives in Broccoli or anywhere near like all the yeah. bread from him because he's it's amazing bread he's really cool good, good shout out. yeah <laughs> um, no, but he, he was amazing to us because he supported the project like he he would cycle bread around like 10 loaves of warm bread on like the friday night opening oh, and amazing. then so we'd have the friday night opening with like loads of bread like everyone could eat because i just thought like part of it was this idea of i was spending my whole time working all day then going to openings and basically just being starving and <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, because like six till nine is like yeah. what you eat, right? Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, there's lots of things in that, but I actually was quite unwell at the time as well. So, and, okay. you know, was struggling with various forms of basically an eating disorder. So it okay. felt like that idea of without, without going into that too heavily, it also felt like that whole environment was not making me healthy, if you know mm. what I mean. So, yeah. And the booze, like not, not eating, but drinking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Really, water supplied, you know, it's only wine or beer. Yeah. yeah. So all that kind of, um, you know, kind of fed into it in a way that I was like, I want this to be somewhere people can come and share food, mm. share experience and share time and not have to go because they've got to get some food around the corner, like yeah. get takeaway. <laughs> um, so, which is also great sometimes, but, you know, so it was really great in that sense. So people could come, yeah, on the Friday night and then all over the weekend it would be open like 12 to 6 and we'd serve, like if people came, we'd, we'd have, the bread was a little bit, you know, second day, so we'd have toast. So wow. <laughs> it always smelt like bread, um, which was really nice. And um, yeah, and we did, I mean, even living here, we lived in one of the bedrooms basically. So we had one room and then the rest of the house was given over. So and how, how, how was your partner with all of this? How did it affect, is he an artist or...? 
No, he's not an artist. I mean, he was fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't, he, I always say he wasn't that involved, but obviously he was really involved because he was in the house all the time. So I think what was so nice that he, well, both of us, we experienced that idea of like, I don't know, I would call it now some form of like very soft, soft holding or soft I guess curating of sort of sorts but that idea of like sitting with work at 6am when the light's coming in the window or sitting with an artist when you get in from work and we all have wine together or yeah. like sometimes Fox would get back before me and then he'd you know often hit they they'd be like halfway through putting something up and it had just broken and they'd be in tears and he'd be like chat, he'd just have to talk to them because he had to figure it out so he became <laughs> yeah, like a silent partner <laughs> yeah. so heavily involved <laughs> yeah I think actually really heavily involved yeah it's really interesting because I really miss it and actually the podcasts have been amazing it's really tapped back in I'm like oh this I really miss this you know um, just that sharing of like difficulty and strategizing yeah. around it and trying to find ways to feel like it's more possible to make work and and also live differently right so like live in a way that is kind of obsessive because <laughs> yeah. you're obsessed with what you do so yeah all that and and be curious so it's the podcast kind of a way of feeling connected over lockdown yeah it's a way of feeling connected and I think a way of hopefully highlighting without being too you know kind of obviously there are real there are serious things going on at the moment which are really scary and horrible um but I do feel like the art world and artists and art galleries and that system is going to be really is already impacted um but I guess my interest was what happens if you've been working for like a year towards a show and mm. it could be at a moment where like a lot of us are at a weird stage where like we're still I mean I hate that term like everyone's like emerging and they always say it's like a turd right it's like having a horrible turtle heading <laughs> <laughs> so I hate that word but it's you know if, if you're in that stage this could be like a make or break moment where you're like you've, and yeah. it's never is like that but it's the feeling that like oh yeah. my god it's just not it's, it's collapsed like this thing of desolation or like I don't know if it, it, it can feel quite dramatic so mm. I think I was just really interested in and I think those those chapters happen like throughout I feel like every climb is like another like fall off a cliff if you know what I mean to learn yeah. about how to like get up and climb up the next cliff or something yeah. so um and then you stop seeing it like that and you just see it as like you kind of learn and and I think speaking to a lot of artists who are at different stages in their career is also really helpful because it gives perspective on how how it goes and how it looks and how it isn't actually like all or nothing and it isn't all over so I guess yeah. on the one hand highlighting the real problems and the real things that have been cancelled and postponed and what that means feels like and then on the other side being hopeful about it and like how can we how can we still look forward and, and rally together a bit so how have you found this sort of transition to online have you been teaching at all online or yeah so I've done a bit of teaching not a lot um but it's like lecturing so essentially I would normally be stood in front of people with like slides behind and like you know but it's I'm quite interactive <laughs> like I like asking questions I want them to get involved I want to like you know I often do really physical exercises as well to get people in it kind of in the room and like like hearing about people's own like where their what their context is in order to feed off that with a to sort of tailor a bit more so with so the way it's online is you do it and you kind of staring at your laptop I mean, there's none of this. Like, this is nice because I can see all of you here. Like, there's eyes involved. Like, okay, there's not eye contact exactly. But, you know, um, whereas that's mm. like I'm looking at my presentation on a screen and I'm clicking through it and I'm sort of talking to myself in a room for, like, two hours. And I oh, don't know yeah. if anyone's there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I honestly feel like it's so weird. I'm like, hello. Um, and if, if you're doing it, like, I did one at um, – I've done one at 10 in the morning and I've done one at, like, 3 in the afternoon. And they're both quite weird times to deliver them as well because it's, like, um, the middle of the day and it's that time where normally you're sort of plodding on with your own thing. You don't mm -hmm. see people at that time. So, yeah, it's a very weird kind of – and you also feel like a bit of a dick. You're like, I stand my stand. <laughs> I, am I rabbiting on? Do I, am I making sense? <laughs> interested. you know I don't know I think yeah it's, it's I think it's quite hard it's also maybe interesting because I think you know people can type questions so maybe you have to slow yourself down so um that's quite good for me I'm quite fast and um, the video element is purely the presentation so like the images they're seeing that I put together and because of the platforms used, you can't use video either. So I normally have like in kind of interactive, some interactive slides or some film elements. And actually because my laptop is, it's a Mac, but it's not massively, it was, it's a hand-me-down 
and it's quite, yeah. I don't know it's not that old but it's probably classed as vintage so um it's yeah the camera doesn't work at the same time as delivering the presentation basically so I wanted to be on it visually but um it just wasn't possible so sort of negotiating a lot of these like technology things have been interesting because I'm definitely like a painter I'm not a I'm not very good at this yeah. but I'm learning very very fast so that's good so how have you found it making the podcast has that been a, a difficult process the what the technology aspect yeah it was interesting at the beginning beginning because it really felt like insurmountable like I just oh. don't know how to do it and you know and then you google it and it's like this is the basic kit and it's like you need a podcast mic and a I don't know a deck and all that stuff and I'm like oh no this is just too much <laughs> um so then I was like, maybe I could just record it on my phone. But then I was like, that's going to be shit. So I don't know. There was a real like fiddling around at the beginning, just thinking, how is this possible? And then I just came across this this app called Anchor, like Googling, and then tested it with like various people. Actually, my mum helped me <laughs> as well. So we did like fake ones where I'd like... <laughs> it's part of the well, part of the benefit of that is someone doesn't need to have a phone. So if they're like internet connections... They, they do need an internet connection but they don't need like a Skype account or they don't need a, a phone or they you know some of the people I'm speaking to are maybe older and they don't have these kind of technological things you know so um and I was thinking a lot about my gran like how would she be able to use it and she hasn't even got a computer but you know sort of thinking yeah. about accessibility and trying to contact people and who I want to speak to and so um so anchor app with I know I've got obviously no I no reason to push it at all but it has been really helpful for me mm. and made it possible to do relatively easily I have to say um and I'm learning on the job like every single time like I interviewed the Luke Burton into like yeah. not really interview chat um he said at the end I asked him like on a private conversation or if there's any feedback or anything you think I could change or improve like definitely tell me because I'm learning all this stuff and he was like you know you could have music on the intro that would be that would help because it's right. a bit high. I noticed that came in <laughs> on, on the last episode you've got music. Yeah well now it's on all of them so it's added, <laughs> I went back and I was like oh quick and so then I was like, how do you do that where do you get it from what is it like so um you know and I think yeah it just makes you aware of the production aspect and obviously you then realize how much work they are um I don't know if you have you have you guys found it work have you found this yeah it was a real learning process I suppose none of us had any sort of technological know-how of how to do it and we were you know we were recording them on our phones and stuff yeah. like that the early uh, ones yeah still, <laughs> I mean it's still pretty unsophisticated yeah uh, <laughs> those uh, Tascam Zoom recorders mm-hmm. we're recording them in artist studios so we're going to yeah. them the recording environment is never ideal but yeah. you know they're, they're pretty rough and ready but you know as long as you can hear what the person oh, saying, exactly okay yeah and there's something really authentic about that like I really liked the one in um in the studio I'm trying to remember the name you talked about caravans it was really oh, exciting oh, Richie Culver yeah, yeah Richie Culver um and that felt you know you could kind of sense that you were in a studio and there was stuff in the background and I don't know, and also you're in West London, which felt really weird. Like what? Yeah. And I never, I'm never in West London, so I found that interesting. But um, yeah, I like that idea that there's like, and that's why I don't edit them either. Like I'm trying to record them, and you know, because you, you know this, like they start off and you're like, hello, hello, can you hear me? Oh hi, yeah. hi, and they're a bit <laughs> clunky and it can be a bit slow, you know. And that's especially some of them like. I don't know I feel like sometimes people are really figuring out what what this is kind of thing as they're going along um, one one thing that I've noticed is because we go into the studios to record when we stop recording the conversation changes completely it's so <laughs> much lighter and it's absolute gold and none of it is ever recorded yeah. every time every time we've done one it's always there's always been a brilliant like 10 15 minutes at the end of just general people in yeah. a room connecting yeah. I think yeah. we do them quite sporadically and because we've just been busy with other stuff they happen every couple of months we worked out right right each time it's kind of relearning yeah each time we record and you know now we've been doing them more regularly it's not as not nerve-wracking but it's kind of more natural because they're, they're in quite quick succession yeah I think that's definitely true I mean I think because of I guess this idea of it being I mean I always I guess I always work through emotions like often like anxiety or fear or anger mm. or whatever so that idea of feeling like urgent you know like uh, right at the beginning I was in the studio like as if I was about to be killed by Covid I know that sounds really <laughs> ridiculous I was like I've got to make all the work that I've got to make because 
you know, it's the end of the world. And it really felt like, you know, I'm kind of, I guess I'm over the top. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not intentionally. Um, I'm trying to sort that out. <laughs> but um, yeah, the idea of urgency, I suppose. So for me, I was like, right, if this is the period, and then I started doing them and I was like, these are really something that like, this is interesting. And these are like, I don't know. And people kept were commenting and like they were helpful and interesting. And so I was like, now I want to try and kind of commit to this in a way like give it the space and I guess because they're called chats with artists under lockdown I don't I don't know what they would be if we weren't if we were in a normal situation so or if they would even exist like if I'd even do it you know so um that's been that's again something which as they continue I'm like oh what is this now and yeah and week by week they change like there seems like different themes and different you know and you can spot that in all the like the ones that are done in that way I guess the ones that are quite frequent it feels like there's different concerns in the air or what particular things have stood out for you what have you learned from these podcasts I think I've learned a lot about listening (laughs) (laughs) I think at the beginning I was trying to like really come up with like good questions and like you know kind of say you're very aware of being like your voice and like sounding stupid or being heard or sounding mm-hmm. clever or whatever so trying to just let it roll and let people speak and I've learned I'm really kind of I really do like learning about artist work like in a way that I, like, I'm kind of obsessed and I get into it and then I mm-hmm. like, write about it and then I put some questions together and then I email that to them and there's like a structure kind of and then we talk about it so it's become quite a process it's a bit like how I make painting so I often write about the painting and then I end up writing like an essay and I collect yeah. sources throughout and then there's this really weird like farcical essay with footnotes which is kind of like I don't take it that seriously obviously no one sees it but it's like <laughs> I take it seriously in, in the moment because it's important to like learn about what I'm trying to do and it feels the same it's like I want to learn about why I'm interested in this artist and what I want to know and what my other people might know and why I don't just want it to be the same interview if you know what I mean as like very well so and I don't want it really to be an interview either I want it to be like a conversation so um so I've learned that I've learned that I just maybe I'm a little bit over ambitious with how many is possible (laughs) in like a week Um, (laughs) Yeah, at the beginning, I like made a massive. I've actually got the list like without, um, but that that's an example of like the that's my first. Can you see that? Oh no, you can't see it. Um, anyway, that's that's my first like list. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So it it's like it just was a bit ridiculous, and and then the more people I thought of, the more that fed into, and I was like on oh, this person, and then um, I sort of wanted to include everybody. All <laughs> oh, right. Um, you know, which is. I think that's important but um it was also just trying to make it possible so you just have to do one thing at a time and then that's come back to the point that you were making you know that about you can't you, you know trying to do your web page the idea that you can't do it all you've just got to do like one day at a time or one project at a time or one podcast at a time or so I guess yeah, you had a word yourself about slowing down because I heard it in your podcast you were saying you're like, almost 100 miles an hour and you always want to get lots of things achieved at the best of times <laughs> yeah uh, you, you, but obviously in this time a lot of people have uh, it's, it's very sort of on topic to talk about st- st- the opportunity to step back take time for yourself to reflect on things have you had to have that talk with yourself have you been like well maybe I shouldn't be trying to get 100 paintings done and 100 yeah. podcasts done right yeah definitely definitely or, or are you just like, get it all done <laughs> I, I think again that's so that's another tension in myself that I'm interested yeah, in but yeah. I think I recognize the need to slow down sometimes and the idea of you know the benefit of like especially because I feel like for me I'm either like really like completely flat on the floor you know like asleep and and I sleep really well actually normally right. um, <laughs> or I'm 100 miles an hour you know there's like crash and burn or right like really really lo- like in life hyper I mean that's reflected in the paintings and that level of tension and yeah the mood thing. yeah but I think there's also something about I guess to, to learn about your work and what you're doing and think about what happens next in it you have to be able to sit with it and I think I was really I, there, there was no connection between those two ends so I think I have to you know it's a bit like saying making a painting about kindness and violence or like affection and aggression but you have to work out why you know kind of the connection between them otherwise it's not as interesting so I guess I had to sort of I am having to try and do that and um yeah and maybe also think about I find this time the slowing down in terms of 
time feels weird start and you know you're not in touch with people you might be you start thinking about i finding lots of memories coming up like lots of childhood found, memories. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know like childhood memories and like even food the food i'm making might be like related to a person which is quite bizarre so that idea of like um i don't know like something my my gran would make or um like we like one night we couldn't be bothered and we were like let's make like something out of the what food we've got here and it was like a really awful dinner but it's like you know fish fingers ketchup uh, with some glacier cherries some raisins you know but basically my mum did that when we were little she did like nice things on a plate so that's a, um that's a good meal that's a it good was aim. amazing it was such a good meal but um I really enjoyed it yeah but anyway um but I think that that idea of like if you leave a bit more room like other things filter in maybe that's what I'm trying to say so it's a bit like the weather like if you kind of sit in the rain you learn a bit about rain and then it can be helpful mm. to like a quality that can be useful in some mm-hmm. in a painting maybe or in you know in your body or a memory that can come up or I don't know I feel like being reflexive and thoughtful is obviously really important and interesting so yeah yeah. you finding it difficult to keep busy not really no (laughs) keep busy in terms of what in making work or yeah no I mean I think there is a busyness in the juggling stuff no I think it's interesting trying to find the rhythm like sometimes I figured out a better rhythm about separating things out maybe um and also it was interesting to learn about different people's patterns that they work so I think that's something that artists are often constantly fascinated by like you know do you work best in the morning or do you work best in the evening and I think I'm realizing I think one of you said this on the last on the last um podcast or one of the previous ones that um this idea of like your fatigue levels I'm finding you kind of get your batteries run out much quicker than normal so for me, I'm, I'm, if I get up, I'm like, right, come on, get up and go to the studio. Just do it. Just just get yeah. on with things. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of all right. And then in the afternoon, you can kind of attend to other things and emails and write, I don't know, writing. Or get up and write. Or get up and... But I guess the idea of getting up and just getting on with something has been really helpful. But yeah, there are days when, I mean... I am gardening too, actually, which has been like completely new and sounds really like, again, I feel like that sounds like what everyone's doing. Oh, yeah, I've got to go. I'm really grateful. And I know it's obviously everyone is and I am really grateful, but it sounds a bit, I don't know, I don't know. But it feels very, for me, it feels relevant and important because I'm talking to my granddad a lot through the gardening um, and there's some kind of connection to the body, root systems and like dead people in my life (laughs) without sounding too... um, kind of I don't know heavy but in a good way like laughing and asking advice and you know kind of attending to a system and being also being aware of like we've got really bad bindweed because we have never done anything to the garden it's like a wild space so kind of observing um this mad root system which is like tentacular really stunning it has these phenomenal fronded like filigree systems that shoot off the main systems and it's all netted it's like a giant imagine like a giant white net just about two I don't know whatever a foot one or two foot below the surface of the soil so you dig down but when you pull on it it's like elastic elastic band and then it snaps so then it's like this hidden you know it's constantly evading and evolving and adapting and it's super resilient and you know it's just amazing and and the way it holds itself in in a structure is phenomenal um so yeah your fingers grappling with it I suppose is really interesting and then thinking of it as a, a structural system a form is just amazing so I'm kind of making a lot of drawing about roots and how they connect and anatomy and roots as well so kind of thinking about you know obviously the root systems because if you strip a hand down take all the skin off it kind of looks similar it's like root structures and bindweed like wraps Mm -hmm. around other roots as well yeah anyway so I'm a bit obsessed with that (laughs) (laughs) um have there been any sort of permanent changes that you feel in the way you work or in the way that you're living that you feel follow through into after lockdown yeah I hope so I mean I think it's um that's a really important question actually that I'm just I think for all of us like how can we cling on to a bit of this like I'm sure we've all noticed some massive like you know benefits in terms of the noise pollution the birds like you know there's like I've seen this weekend there were like butterflies there's like mad amounts of butterflies and I don't know I think just being more in contact with the earth keeping things quite close to home um 
simple pleasures you know digging your hands in some soil looking after your neighbors you know having like we've started to have like drinks on a Sunday in the garden and all the neighboring gardens as far as people can shout like just to try and like connect people because lots of neighbors are on their own I don't know just like trying (laughs) to just like cling on to a bit of that um like being a bit creative with your the the dull things like how to clean the bathroom yeah um in a way that's like a date can you have a date night that's cleaning the bathroom like that's fun yeah so stuff like that I think and and I think maybe also just appreciating the the like pursuit of painting in a different way I think you realize at this time it it makes it really hard because like we should all be I always think it's that pressure of like what should we be doing with our time that could we be helpful in a better way like should we all be doing more or doing something else or and I know lots of people who were like making face masks for the NHS or doing active, you know, frontline things, I suppose. So the idea of going to your studio and painting is kind of difficult because you're like, how is this helpful? But I think it also, yeah. if you can consider it like a call, like your duty, then we have that sense of like, that's where we need to be. That's also like a complete, um, like we have to honour that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like discovering that about yourself and that that's your sort of, you've got to do it properly then. You can't just sort of turn up and fanny around. <laughs> with, um, with deadlines being a bit obscure now and you know where, where shows will be and things being yeah. cancelled or postponed um, and do you feel that's taken any pressure off when you paint have you noticed any difference there that in yeah. your head there's no deadlines now there's no dates think, you're working so much I think I quite like a deadline yeah I think um, I think the pressure is quite for me quite helpful mainly just because you imagine the work being seen um and I also imagine like if you imagine a painting going to the world then you're like you want it to be like brave or something yeah I I have this conversation with them where I'm like uh, is it often they're kind of embarrassed or a bit like sometimes I'm like oh it's a bit scared I don't know they're quite brutal sometimes or but I want them to be yeah I feel like if they're brave then they they're doing something and they're active so they're more active in the world really if you know what I mean like in the studio they're just sort of noisy (laughs) they're all chattering at me and chatting to each other and that's sort of nice but it can be all it can drive you a bit mad um I think but having said that the recent series that I'm working on I found I'm really struggling with it like there's five paintings so far I've really really struggled because they're not doing what I want so that idea of not having to let them go or like they're not committed to anywhere and they're not seen at the moment I'm figuring out what's wrong with them and what they might need and what I kind of where I could take them and what I could do so I think in that sense particularly with that because I'm on with something it wasn't like I'd start something then that's really yeah that's been helpful yeah we had like jobs as kids we like as in like not jobs (laughs) we were like sent out to labor we were like you know we'd like chores around the house we were like very like expected to I don't know yeah be always kind of doing something useful uh I guess learning was a big thing in my house so like yeah trying to practice your violin or like I I played loads of instruments yeah I don't know reading I mean I am really interested in words so I could sit with a book like I'm reading a lot of books and I think there's there's one really nice one which has um just great words in it often words I don't understand and I really like that that you like sit with a sit with your phone and you sit with the book and when you get to a word you underline it and you look at what it means and then you're like right in the margin (laughs) And it's like this really lovely, like, I don't know, discovery of like etymology and like, I don't know, you go down rabbit holes, like that sort of rabbit hole stuff is really nice. Um, that I probably wouldn't give myself time to do. I'm trying to read more poems as well. Like, I think that's a difficult thing. And maybe look at some things I've written and pull them up. But yeah, I'm not very good at I'm not very good at sitting still. I'm working on it. <laughs> Did you have any shows that were meant to be in this time, like March, April, yeah. May? Yeah, so I had a show in Manchester at Castlefield Gallery. It was in a group show called Soft Bodies, which I was really excited about, mainly because it was in Manchester. <laughs> so <laughs> I, my like my, my cousins were going to come, and I could see my like relatives. I was going to see my gran. So like the train was all booked. Like I had a date, like a whole day with my gran planned. So so that was a bit of a disappointment. And yeah, we planned various things. Like I was going to do a talk at the gallery, and I don't know. It feels nice going kind of home because there's not a lot of my family's like my mum's moved down here, my brothers moved down south so that I really like the idea of going home particularly with my work and being able to uh move around with it in that way 
so there was that show which is a shame and the, I was interested to meet all the artists in the show as well I didn't really know any of them so that, is it postponed or just straight cancelled do you think I think it's going to be on for a while it's going might be postponed I don't know to be honest with you I don't really know I don't know if they know yeah. you know what just, I mean yeah no one yeah. yeah and then there's a show that was in Oslo um a big group show again um called Girl Meets Girl um and that was really exciting because it was obviously in Oslo so that I was potentially going to go there I've got a friend who lives there who's pregnant so I was going to stay with her and um again just meeting artists seeing work I've never been to Oslo I was really intrigued um and like traveling with the work in that context like I'm really interested in seeing like the Joe Wood exhibition that was in on 2018 and 2019 the work like one painting toured with loads of other pieces and that idea of like a dialogue between works around it I mean that wasn't around a theme but the one in Oslo was specifically around a theme which I was interested in so which is you know the female body I guess broadly so meeting and and that was also a spectrum of artists in terms of like career and kind of renown I was was interested in if you've done so I assume you did that work towards the late 2019 and for that show or, or was that work you started at the beginning of this year the, the work for Oslo yeah I think I think that was definitely one of my questions I guess in with we starting the podcast and the whole postponement thing was how am I gonna like I felt like the work was going to be superseded by new work right. and so then what would happen and also would exactly. yeah so I, d- I don't know the answer to that question I think um I think it's an interesting one and I think there's some paintings that I've made that haven't really been seen that I'm still really keen to get seen and there's one about it's called Hook, Line and Sinker which is uh oh no sorry that's not the, that's not the right one that's a different one they've got all got <laughs> weird, funny names um there's one called Stone Cold Stunner that's the one I was thinking of which is a wrestling move yeah. um which is yeah, like yeah. where they put um, you in headlock and drop you to the yeah. floor so and I was quite interested in I'm I'm interested in contemporary dance as well and so the idea of like the headlock being a hold but also something which is aggressive but also like you get like um you know kids get each other in a headlock or whatever and it's kind of affectionate Mm -hmm. um anyway so that painting has been on show briefly um but it hasn't really been seen you know so and I feel like that's it's a painting that interests me because it's about aggression and affection and like um some kind of tenderness and and real threat and I suppose I'm interested, again, coming back to Dolly Parton thing, that idea of um, like shaming and the culture we're living in at the moment, where it's all, it's kind of two polarised camps and it's it's pretty, at times pretty scary. And it just feels like it was a painting that kind of spoke to that a little bit and sort of tried to pull that around and question it and turn it inside out a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends what's happening in the environment you're in as well. And if the painting is still relevant in that sense, uh, maybe. But I don't know. I mean, because the, the because the work of this new kind of series is a series, yeah. maybe um, I'm kind of more keen for it to be to be resolved together and then think about them as a, a series. I don't know. There's, there's this what this this series kind of about ghosts. They're not about ghosts, but about people in some kind of like covered up or something sheets. Um, something about the threshold, and then the other series is sort of like uh, puppets and people sort of manipulating each other. So there's sort of two structural things going on. I mean, I'm interested in nostalgia and melancholy and those kind of things. I think I was interested Some um, my, this wasn't really the reason. The reason it started was thinking about um, clothing the figures. That's simply like, how could that happen? And the folds of the cloth being like the folds of oh, skin. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like covering up the figure. And they sort of became, accidentally became like ghosts in a lot of the drawings. And I was like, oh, that's quite funny. Right. And that yeah. idea of like the failure of someone putting a sheet over the head, the failure to be like scary and it's just hilarious. And then as a kid, I actually, I thought I saw a ghost once and uh, maybe I, right. I, I mean, I sort of had this episode thing, this like, I don't know, a seeing of something that felt like a ghost. What, again. what sort of age was that? I was yeah. about eight years old. Um, so my dad died when I was quite young and it was, and it was basically him. Um, so, right. and I don't know whether, and I'm interested, I guess, whether... I wanted to I wanted to believe I could see him or that if someone mm. someone's still there you know or whether someone disappears and that whole notion of like particularly of grief where people just it, it, your whole lens changes and it's like something it is like someone disappearing it's a very weird thing so um I suppose it made me think about belief systems and fit and if we believe in a ghost it doesn't mean you can see it and that idea of not being able to touch something but 
trusting it's there maybe as well that kind of sense yeah. the un- uncanny so sort of trying to unpick all that and how do you know it's a face underneath the sheet like how do you know what's underneath there um and then it just feels like they were kind of around a lot and I was watching that ghost um obviously the the film ghost with uh, Debbie Moore yeah. um, quite obsessively um and then it became really interesting to me how the body in that like um in that you know, the ghost in that transition like um when it when he passes through a door he like changes color so he goes from being like human like heat essentially to like going to cold so I guess how you then translate that um and then there's another film called Spirited Away where um there's a there's a transparency moment where the figure becomes see-through against another figure which is see-through so that's sort of how would I do that in painting and washes and so it's sort of dismantling itself colorful as your as your work normally is yeah I mean that was that's become because as you can guess by my like dithery answer I'm working it all out and it's also started it's like undoing itself as I'm doing more painting so I'm like oh god what is it now what is it becoming what is it and also I'm now painting people with things over their faces and we're like in the time when we're wearing masks right so it's become really problematic because it's not really about that, you know. But I guess it is about an outside threat and an inside security. So, yeah, so they are still colourful. I'm sort of negotiating that, like, how to... And now the the skin is becoming more like the folds of the material. And this idea of being see-through is becoming more interesting and more difficult because I'm constantly, like, sort of pulling and pushing the paintings a bit in terms of, um, you know, you lose something when you cover it up, in a way, even if you can still see through it. So... Yeah, they're they're in a really weird place in terms of they're very unresolved, but they're they're sort of keeping me very busy. <laughs> Is your studio at home? No, so um, I live in Broccoli, and the studio's in Peckham. It's a one of the space studios, so it's a big um, like block of studios. But it is possible to go there. It's like I cycle there. So it's and it's self-contained in, in as much as the room is. I mean, there's a lot of like, yeah, washing hands. Washing I made hands. I made an animation called Washing Hands. Really? Actually, yeah, which is a bit cheeky. It's a bit rude. I got really sick of being told <laughs> to wash my hands all the time. So and also I think if you've got any kind of obsessive tendencies, it becomes really problematic because yeah. I was like opening doors with tissues and stuff and like not being able to. Like, that's a real thing like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's no, the thing I'm, that's not talked about. Doing you, for elbows and stuff as well, trying to do everything. Yeah. For elbows. If you've got any kind of uh, underlying, or you have had, you know, issues, mm. um, you know, with with boundaries or, or the body or yeah, triggers and stuff. I think can be it can be really a really hard time for people. So that's been really that's another thing that I'm like become aware of, and I guess I'm interested in exploring with other people and sort of highlighting a bit. Yeah, yeah, the sort of imagine living through that, you know, every day. It certainly keeps you busy. Do you have any of your own work hanging in your house? And if so, why that particular piece? That's a great question. And it's something that um, I'm asked quite a lot, actually. It's interesting. I So up until recently, the answer is no. Um, I've got two two drawings. Yeah, two drawings and at home, um, right. which are like, I basically make a lot of um, kind of the very, um, I don't know how to describe them because I hate the word sketchy because it implies like doodly. But mm. They're sort of like um, figuring out. So they're moving things around and they're on tracing paper and they're very often very fast, fast, but they could be like 50 of them to lead to one, if you see what I mean. And that's often a propositional thing to get to where I need to with the painting and work out the the scale because we haven't really said that, but the paintings are quite big generally at the Mm -hmm. moment, although I am working on some miniatures as well. But yeah, they're normally like big, um, like two by two metres or bigger so anyway so I've got those two drawings mainly because it sort of reminds me of that like grounded process in that there's something about drawing I'm always interested in I was at working at galleries it became my like complete um passion and I like the way it tells you how your brain works even to yourself you're like oh yeah remember like tap into that kind of thing so that's it's yeah something about thinking through the line and then I've got actually the painting from the Jerwood exhibition is at home Mainly because it told, I made it and then for, and it took six weeks. It was like a complete pain, real like struggle, mainly because there was a lot of pressure on it. It was one painting in the show and I was like, this has to be like really fierce and really, really like strong and brave and good. And I don't know, good's a horrible word. Brave. I like the word brave. Right. Um, but it had to be, I actually prefer the word scave. So my, I think it was my nephew came up with this word, um, which is brave and scared at the same time. So, anyway, so this painting is quite scave. Um, and um, and it went straight onto the show and it toured around and I saw it in different um, settings in all the galleries and different lights and stuff. But 
I hadn't, I hadn't really yeah. seen it so um and it's really big so it was a bit of a gamble and then there was nowhere to keep it either so I, I was a bit depressed about having it come back to the studio and I didn't really want it to come back to the studio and just stare at me as like some kind of weird failure so I wanted to like celebrate it instead and live with it and um and it, I think I'm still learning from it too I feel like there's a it was a real I'd just been on a residency to America and then I came back and made that painting so I think I made it on the back of a really good energy and a really good, like a really powerful sense of drive and purpose and like almost like a cheeky, like, yeah, I'm going to like give it to, I'm going to really go for it, you know, like a really, like a, I don't know, fire, some kind of fire. Yeah. So it gave me, using that energy to make it is definitely in the painting, I think. So it's, yeah, so that's what I live with. That's what I live with. <laughs> Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, you can contact us by emailing us on artproofpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Instagram at artproofpodcast. We've got two more shows coming up for you soon, one with Adelaide Damoa and one with Shepherd Man Yicca. Wait.